This is Hab's Cast. I am Hab. Thank you for listening wherever you get your on-demand audio. Appreciate you making us a part of your on-demand audio rotation. Yeah. And picking up this week again, talking about my time in the Coast Guard and at my first duty station in Buffalo. And last episode, I, well, I didn't leave it out. I wanted to stretch this buffalo into two, maybe three parts, because there's, there's a lot of meat there. But a couple of things uh, that I went through there in terms of job and performance, like I said earlier, we were a search and rescue duty station. So we got all types of phone calls about things in the water. And this is, I would say, is probably as close to knowing what police officers and dispatchers and things like that go through uh, because basically the Coast Guard is that on the water. And I'm telling you, we got so many bogey calls. We got so many calls that weren't really calls. We got, (laughs) um, I mean, just a lot of calls. If somebody saw something in the water, it looked like a person. Or one time they we got a call that somebody was on the bridge. Well, they act, well somebody was actually on the bridge, but they didn't jump. <laughs> but a couple of calls that we got, I don't want. Well, I don't want to say I don't want to forget them, but you just some things you just can't forget. And um, I would say, oh, it's a it's a first, my first dead body. <laughs> I never seen a dead body before that hadn't been worked on by a funeral home. So imagine my surprise when we get the call that there's a dead body floating in the Niagara River. And I mean we we'd gotten dead body calls before, so we just gonna run up there and see what's going on. And we get there and it sure enough was a dead body. Ill, ill, ill. I got a pretty strong stomach. Well, no, it ain't pretty strong. It's strong. You know, I'm not squeamish whatsoever. Uh, But that was nasty. (laughs) That was super, super nasty. Ah! It was bloated. The body was bloated. Uh, Like, the skin was falling off. His hand was, like, uh, up. Like a, to the side of his body, his hand was up. Um, no shoes, just oh, it was super, super gross. And the the two worst parts about it was one, and I kid you not, and ugh, whatever. But this dude had an erection. <laughs> I swear to God. Well, I mean, well, I don't know. It, Maybe I, I wouldn't call it an erection because that's like you know, I, I reckon blood has to be flowing or whatever. But yeah, dead man, little thing, thing was just standing up, and uh, it's like okay. But I mean, the yo, he had for a belt, and this was also baffling, super baffling. But apparently, this guy had crossed the wrong people. And they decided to use 
cinder blocks to send this dude to the bottom of the Niagara River, which is, again, something that was super amazing because cinder blocks don't float. Mm-mm. Yeah, they do the opposite of float. So he ran afoul of the Buffalo Mafia or something, but I guess the bloating and decomposition and all of that, whatnot, um, it, you know, it put air, put enough air in this man's body to where with two cinder blocks strapped on either side of him, he still floated to the top of the water. And there is where we got the call. So it was like, Ill, ill, ill. I'd never seen anything before like that in my life. So we did the recovery. We did the recovery and we had to, uh, what's the word that, you know, where you have a hazmat? You got to go through the little thing. Oh, the word escapes me. I hate when it happens. Uh, but yeah, ill. So, and that wasn't the only dead body that we recovered. Uh, we recovered another dead body, and this one had been wrapped in a laundry bag. And the only difference with this one was that <laughs> it was a dead body, but it wasn't a person. It was a dog. Oh, I know, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that stinks. Uh, literally, no, actually, yeah, it stinks that it was a dog and. It stank when we picked up that dog because, ooh, 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 the dead, ooh, the, ooh. Ah, my stomach turns just thinking about how nasty that smelled. And this recovery was different because we had to, like, drag the this laundry bag with this dead dog in it behind. We had to drag it behind our boat, you know, into the slip and you know the the land-based authorities came and you know took the recovery from there but that was super super nasty uh it's like man that was something i don't i i don't want to be a part of that no more and as a matter of fact i didn't i didn't after that go on many boat crew missions like i felt much better i was like yo you gotta know your strengths and and that's that's what I did. It's like, yo, I am never going to qualify for this pistol. I'm never going to qualify to be law enforcement board certified. So, yo, just let me let me let me run dispatch. And basically that's what I did. You know, from then on out, they had to go out on a call, I run dispatch and um just basically do what ICS. If you're familiar with ICS, if anybody's familiar with ICS, you know how the incident command structure and systems go when you're trying to coordinate recovery and rescue efforts and get the proper authorities. Do I need to alert the the ASPCA, the FBI? You know. Uh, so I've I I found a niche doing that niche niche. How do you say that? How does one say that? Niche. Niche. <laughs> um, but, hey, it was super fun. Uh, still talking about my time in the Coast Guard, and I am so delighted that you have chosen to listen to Habscast. After this short break, I will 
tell you about one of my favorite people at the station. Thanks for listening. Come together, y'all. We need to, need to. We got to, got to. We need to, need to. Come together, y'all. And we are back. You're listening to Habscast. Thanks for listening. And I want to talk about right now one of my favorite people to work with at the station in Buffalo. His name was Mark. I hope Mark is listening. I'm, I'll be sure to tag him. But Mark is significant because... He is a wrestling fan. <laughs> and and I say that laughing because, I mean, I know wrestling is one of those things. Everybody's got their thing. And honestly, wrestling is one of my things. So, like, when I found out that we shared that, it was on. And we sit and talk for hours about the old school wrestling, new school wrestling, who we liked, who we didn't like, uh, matches that we've been to, things that we'd seen, our favorite performers. I mean, we could talk. I could literally talk about wrestling every day. Like this would almost be a wrestling podcast if I. You know, if I didn't have so much other stuff to do or to talk about, this would like certainly be a wrestling podcast. And you know, I know I'd sacrifice some listeners, or whatever. Because, but hey, I'm telling you, those conversations with Mark were the best. And if for no other reason than the fact that he put me on to dirt sheets, and I know people are like, "What's a dirt sheet?" That, that doesn't make sense. And why would he put you on a dirt sheet? It's like, well, okay. And here, I guess here is where I can maybe um, provide a little, what's the word I'm looking for? I hate when that happens. A little foreshadowing. Yeah, foreshadowing, that's the word. But, you know, there will be wrestling episodes in the future. But why Mark was important was he turned me on to the dirt sheets and for non-wrestling fans or people who don't like or watch wrestling, a dirt sheet was something you could find. It'd be a website on the internet with behind the scenes news about your favorite wrestlers or your favorite wrestling promotions. And it was one of the things that kind of helped drop the veil of professional wrestling for a lot of people. I mean, for me especially, it already dropped. But, you know, being able to look behind what I was seeing on screen and, you know, kind of understand the psychology of what's going on, you know, what's up with these performers? Like, and that's one of the things that really helped me with, you know, 
life actually in general because the, the philosophy I took from there was like, man, everything is all part of the show, you know, and you got two guys in tights. It's a part of the show. The referee, he's a part of the show. The announcers, he's a part of the show. They're all in on it. And, like, as a viewer, you know, you invest in characters. And this is no different from any other show that you watch. But you you make investments in these characters. And so you're vested in seeing how this story plays out. But the important thing that the dirt sheets taught me was that after the lights and the cameras go off, you know, these are real people behind these characters and they have real lives and real things go on behind the scene that you don't know about. And so from there began my, uh, you know, so I delved into just boning up on as much wrestling news as I could find. And one, there was this one site in particular, you know, that I will not give away, but Mark, I remember Mark asking me about it. He was like, you never heard of this? And I was, I said, no. And like his eyes was as big as silver dollars. He was incredulous. He was like, oh my God, <laughs> have you not heard of this? You need to go there now. And I did. And so what was happening, because we're talking 2000 and, you know, things was transitioning to digital. And man, I stuffed myself with wrestling news. And from there... I began to uh, write wrestling columns on the internet for a couple of sites. And I owe it all to Mark because Mark was like, man, our conversations about wrestling were classic. And I appreciate him putting me onto that. And he was actually a, one of my supervisors. He was one of the cooler supervisors. He, you know, didn't say much. And, uh, I just appreciate it. And I, it was a pleasure serving with him. So if he's listening, Mark, what up, man? You are listening to Habscast. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. I smashed over. I ain't the way I wanted it. I came out of things. I'm smart. I'm dumb like everybody says I'm smart. I demand respect. Are you done? This is Habscast. Thanks for listening. Wrapping up on my time in Buffalo. And to do that here, especially, I want to tie in a mental health um, happening or a thing or, you know, just follow along. There's, there's some continuity here. So if you have listened to any of my previous episodes and I hope that you have. If you haven't, they are available on Spotify or wherever you get your on-demand audio. Yeah. But I discussed my mental health journey. And after my diagnosis, and it was so important to me to find that P word, not pussy, silly. Uh, no, perspective. That's our word. That's our favorite word on Habscast. And to do that, I had to look backwards a lot. And I was able to pinpoint one instance of what I believe now was an episode of my 
bipolar disorder back then. And this happened in Buffalo. And I, I mean, I don't know where to start. Part of it came from being homesick. And that was a thing. And then another thing was that it was cold there. It was freezing cold all the damn time. Uh, it was too much snow. I'd seen snow growing up in North Carolina, but I had not seen snow <laughs> like that in Buffalo. And so, and remember I said it was gray? Just a lot of things just weighing on me. And several other things that maybe I didn't know at the time, but what have you. So it happened right after it snowed seven feet in Buffalo in the span of about three days. I had never seen seven feet of snow. I probably never much less seen seven feet of any damn thing. Seven feet of snow. And I knew I was ready to get out of there. I'd already been there two years, and this came one year to the day I had, you know, I'd gotten in trouble, you know. But like I said, after you know, after the incident, I was fine. But one year later, here I'm looking at seven feet of snow. I miss my family. It's cold. I had, you know, before I knew anything, my anxiety had gripped me to the point where I stayed up for three days in a row. Three days in a row? Yes, three days in a row. And, you know, I've told this story to, to folks who just don't believe it. And it's like maybe a question if they even know me. Because, like, if you know me, like, I'm always up. <laughs> like, I don't sleep. I don't have to sleep. If I, you know... Well, I mean, technically we do, but, you know, I'm an insomniac. So staying up for a day and a half or even two days is nothing to me. But this wasn't right. You know, I didn't feel right. I was up for three days in a row. And so about the middle of the second day, I decided to call up the EAP which they had for the Coast Guard back then. I don't know if they still have it now, but the Employee Assistance Program, I think that was the one who, you know, this was my this would be my first time talking to a counselor. And um, I don't, I barely remember what we talked about because, yeah, I just, like I don't even remember what we talked about. But by that time, I'd been awake again for two and a half days just trying to you know get some sleep find out what's wrong just something I needed answers and I couldn't find them and it sucked you know so when I was finally able to fall asleep on the third day it wasn't at like normal sleeping hours it was Later in, it was like early afternoon, maybe three, two, three, and I fell asleep for about three hours. 
And when I woke up, it was just after 6.30 or so, almost 7 o'clock, and it was dark outside, you know. So, But in my mind, you know, I had just slept eight hours. That it was dark outside meant that it was time to get up and go to work. Only it wasn't time to go to work. It was only 6.30 p.m. And it, man, once I finally got up and I got dressed and, you know, I'm ready for work, I knock on the door, tell my roommate, he's like, yo, (laughs) (laughs) yo, that would have been bad. (laughs) Okay, well, we know now that if, we are going to <laughs> try to have knock-knock sounds in the podcast. We don't put the whiteboard on the table because it will knock down the phone, the light, probably the camera, the mic. Golly, I can't even, I can't even knock. <laughs> no, so I'm sorry. Like I was saying. <laughs> I knocked on my roommate's door. I was like, yo, you ready? And he's like, it's like, what are you doing? It's like, it's time to go to work. It's like, no, fool, it's not time to go to work. It's evening. It's like, uh, you know, but I was able to get some sleep, but you know, I still wasn't right. And so again, as I started to try to put this mental health journey in perspective. I looked backwards to that incident and found some really good perspectives. Like, man, well, here is this thing rearing its head, you know, the first time it's done so, but I don't know what's going on. So fast forward, you know, what's that? 18 years later, I'm I'm grateful. Just put it that way. You know, had that episode in Buffalo not happened, you know, who knows? But that wasn't the worst thing to happen to me in Buffalo. I mean, we, we, (laughs) and I thought I was putting a bow on Buffalo with this episode, but in order to, what I I, want to do with this first couple of episodes of the show is just kind of give you me, you know, give you me and, 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 in, in my rawest form, just let you know what's going on with me and invite you into my world. And, and part of the way I want to do that is talk about these experiences that I've gone through and share some of my family with you, I reckon. Well, I'll tell you about some people, some really cool people that I know and love. And one of those such people I met in Buffalo. And I wanted to include... Uh, him in this segment, but this is my brother. Uh, <laughs> his kids call me Uncle Hab, and I'm going to give him an entire episode to tell y'all about. I can't tell y'all about all the shit we've been through, but I, we have some very interesting stories, and I love this man like you wouldn't believe. So, Thank you for tuning in. Go ahead and forward to the next episode. We'll keep it funky for you. This is Halfcast. I came.